welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Kickabout. Um, Premier League starting back at just around the corner. So to build up to that, we have a Liverpool preview podcast for you. So with me today, we have Donica and welcome back, David Kennedy as well. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Cheers, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. We're ready to go. What, how many days are we? We're like T minus four or five days. Yeah, yeah, Most that's it now. From the circus starting again. So very exciting time. Every single club in the land has delusions of grandeur. We're no different. Ours have legitimacy, I would argue, but I'm sure we, we can argue the toss on that over the next few minutes. That's it. That's it. Um, so yeah, so I suppose before we before obviously the season itself kicks off, we've we've had a look at a few of the guys in preseason. Um the last preseason game was yesterday. Um so I presume we've all been keeping an eye on them. Dave. Who's kind of stuck out to you, or what have you made of preseason so far? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think like the the star of, of preseason, I think, has been the length of preseason and like the availability of the majority of our squad for preseason. And um, I think Klopp was only saying the last day that he doesn't remember a preseason as long as this. And I think, like, I, I trust I trust what the what the staff will do in terms of setting us up to to peak at the right times in the season. I think it, I, I'm I'm really hopeful that it'll stand to us, um, having that. Um, I think there's been a load of really encouraging performances. I think you've had players who I think everyone beforehand said needed a big preseason. You're like, so, if, you know, obviously the players coming back from injury in terms of the, the centre-backs, but also your your Chamberlains and Caters who um, just haven't had that rhythm, haven't had that run in the team and I suppose weren't in a position to be thrown in towards the end of last season. So I think um, you can look at any one of those players and see that there's been um, there, there's been real progress and and no injuries, which is fantastic. Well, until until Sunday, um, but yeah, like I'm 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 purely I'm 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 an Abby Kata, like you know uh, fanboy. Like I just I just every time I see him, I just want to see more of him and things. And I'm I'm really hoping it works out for him. And I think he's had a really good. A uh, couple of weeks, so um, he's he's definitely been the most encouraging thing for me. I think over the past month or so. You're you're ready to be hurt again, Dave. Oh, for sure. Like you know, I I think I'm gladly opening myself up. Like like cut my cut my put my skin open and pour salt in it, whatever it is. Like. <laughs> Navi's my, my boy. I think like there's there's no other footballer like him in the league in terms of not not necessarily quality, whatever, but just in terms of style of play. Like he's he's so unique, and I think that that's such an asset if if it works out. But look, the proof will be in the pudding. The proof has not been in the pudding to date. But yeah, as you said, I'm definitely ready to get hurt. <laughs> what, what I'm what I'm not going to do this year because I've done it the last three years and been made look pretty foolish all three years. The last three years, I've backed Navi Keita to be PFA Player of the Year. For, I think when he first arrived at maybe 20s, then 33 to 1, last year 40 to 1. So maybe, I've, I, maybe I'm the one putting the curse on him. So I'm not going to back it this year. But uh, yeah, like every Liverpool fan up and down the country knows the guy's ability. Um, it's just been curtailed with injuries. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I feel like maybe in certain situations there's more to it than meets the eye. I'm not sure how he's adapted like in terms of lifestyle, in terms of personality type, I know he's a very kind of shy um, character by nature. And maybe, you know, maybe he moved to a club that was maybe a little bit too big too soon. I don't know. We can get into that or maybe not. But uh, certainly it is very good to see everybody fit, firing. And there seems like a genuine um, sense of glee and giddiness around the squad to start this season. I think it's helped if there's two big the two biggest factors of what's contributed to why the vibe seems so good is obviously to see Virgil back in a kit out there training playing and then the other side of it is from what we saw on Sunday and then again last night a full Anfield mm. which you just just the difference that makes like I never want to see an empty Anfield ever again in my entire life um I think that's for me that's been the star of preseason is the fact that we have our crowd back. Um, and I know, I know Liverpool fans particularly can get very romantic when it comes to the Anfield crowd and the Anfield factor, but I do think <laughs> it's cliched, but I do think it's going to be our biggest signing this season is having that crowd back and, and just the feel good factor is going to return. Yeah, no, I'd hundred, hundred percent agree with that. Like the crowd was one of the biggest losses last season along with obviously all the terrible injuries we got because you know there were times when you know obviously we lost Van Dyke and then we were kind of still carrying on with the centre-backs we had and then obviously 
more injury struck. But there were definitely times, especially through, you know, when we, we had that losing streak at Anfield for five or six games. There's no way that happens if we have crowd a crowd in Anfield. Because even even after the first game, like it would have been the first loss in what, three or four years, the crowd would have been like, all right, lads, don't worry about it. It's one loss. We'll go again. Where the more games it happened, but the only kind of exposure they were getting to fans was all the absolute morons on social media. And it was just yeah. kind of retreating into this darkness kind of a thing. Losing six on the bounce at home as Liverpool Football Club it just wouldn't have been allowed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm that's not saying things would have got. I'm not saying things would have got vicious or things would have got a little bit colourful, shall we say, in the crowd. But I think the energy from the crowd would have just made that eventuality practically impossible. To it would, because a few of those games, you know, with 20 minutes to go, it was as if we had accepted it. Or it was like, OK, well, we've seen this before. It's just going to play out. We're going to have a load of possession, maybe a few chances, and we're not going to score. Where? There was definitely a few of them where the crowd were just been like, come on, like let's have it. Like um but anyway, back to we won't we won't hopefully have to just, deal with just, just like on that, that point, like I, I don't even think it extends just playing at Anfield. I think like just the the fact of having a stadium with an atmosphere and people in it. And like sometimes like you know, sometimes I actually fancy that we're going away to these kind of say raucous away nights. You know, say like say like Norwich the weekend, like it's going to be packed. They're going to be buzzing for their return to the Premier League and all this. I, I think that'll suit us. Like, I think that atmosphere uh, brings out the best in our players and things. And if you look at say like the Villa seven two and things, like I don't think that happens in a, in a full ground. Like I, I don't I don't think that our players. I suppose succumb to that weirdness if there's yeah. people shouting at them, and it's not just the away fans; it's it's just the fact of having atmosphere. And I just think that look, it's it's not making excuses like like the season went the way it went, and and there's lots of reasons for that. But I just think that like the absolute void that no crowds left just made it a weird season overall. And again, like there's other teams that probably suffered that too. Like we're not the only ones. Again, I heard the point today that like you know Sheffield United maybe are a victim of that, or for example, and a few other teams who maybe didn't have the same level of seasons as they had previously might fall in the category too. So, look, I think overall it's 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 going to be different this year, no matter what. Like whether that translates to, to more success on the pitch or whatever it is, it's it's going to be different. There's no doubt in my mind. Going back there, as you were saying, there has there we we've avoided injuries in the most part uh, in preseason. Obviously, Robertson there picked up a little knock at the weekend. It looks like he should be okay after he'll only be out for a couple of weeks. Hopefully, um, talk of he could possibly be back for the Chelsea match, but even if he's not, he, he should hopefully be back for the start of September. Um, with that, obviously, up steps the Greek scouser who's obviously been playing a blinder in preseason. Costas Timikas, Donica, what have you thought of him so far? God, he's he's an energizer bunny up and down that uh, flank, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you don't want to be like, oh, I, I like that band before they were big or any of that sort of cliche bullshit. But I remember he was such a standout player at Olympiacos because he was Olympiacos, it was, he was their best attacking outlet. And um, I'm, 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 nailing my colours to the mast right now. I'm not saying he's a better left-back than Robertson, not by any stretch. His final ball, his delivery, is as good as Andy Robertson's. His ability to cross a ball onto uh, a sixpence, as you saw with Firmino's first goal uh, last night, is, is frighteningly good. And if Liverpool can control the midfield area, control possession, dictate the play, and, and play like we did when we charged to the Premier League title, I think... Samakis could be as effective at left back as Robertson is, and I think he's 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 an absolutely brilliant option to have. Like he he had a very difficult first season in terms professionally, but apparently, apparently within the squad, like he's one of the more popular lads. Like he's loud, he's vocal, he's a good laugh. Him and Mo are supposedly really good mates now, and yeah, as you said, he he refers to himself as the Greek scouser. And he's not getting down on himself, even though he didn't get a chance last season. And I'm sure Jurgen Klopp's probably done a really good job in explaining this, like 
here's the situation. We've got no players in our back four. This is the one guy who knows the system and he has to play every week in Robertson. So yeah. you hate seeing anyone injured. You hate seeing Robbo injured. He's still obviously first choice left back, but I don't feel we're going to lose too much. And I'm actually really excited to see Costas go and to see him, you know, start four games, start a Champions League game, um, and and show everyone what you're what you're what you're about. Because a lot a lot of Liverpool fans just haven't really seen him. At the most we've seen of him is in this preseason. And I think he's had at least three assists, if not more. And he's just been he's been really at it. Like really, really at it. This is the thing, Dave, because obviously as Zonica said, we're obviously not delighted with the fact that Robertson's injured. But like when we signed him, I, obviously, you know, we would have looked into him, you know, when it's announced he's a new Liverpool signing, you know, you, you kind of do your bit of research and be like, oh, what's this player been up to? Um, as far as I remember, he was left back in the team of the season, the season before we signed him. Um, you know, and, you know, looking at the YouTube clips and stuff like that, he looked like a really progressive left back and, and the left back, left back, you know, in the mould of Robertson and the type we need. Um, so obviously you don't want Robertson to be injured, but... I'm kind of excited to see him and actually, you know, be allowed to have a run in the team and see what he's about. Yeah, for sure. Like, like there's no two ways about it to my mind. Like, like losing Andy Robertson to injury makes us a weaker team than 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 the alternative. But that said, like you said, it's exciting. Like, it's it's great to see a new player getting a chance in the team. And like at the end of the day, like it's it's a squad game. Like, there's there's a reason why we have players of this for backup and that's so that they can step in when they're needed this is just quite an unprecedented situation that he was there for a year and barely played you know it's it's, it's quite exciting but like his his like, like Donnie said his final ball looks really good again it's a small sample size again we know from what you see on YouTube highlights and stuff from Olympiacos you know what we've seen in pre-season again it's not it's nothing um you know it's, it's not a huge sample but like the the even his whip from like a dead ball is incredible. Like, you know, I know that there was talk a few years ago that when Robertson first started taking set pieces for us, that Trent used to roll the ball to him because he didn't have a clean strike and a moving ball. And it's obviously something he's been working on because now he, he does seem to take dead balls and things. But I think like, like even some of the corners to me, guess was taken last night were like the serious whip on them. You know, he's, he's, he's a really interesting technique of striking the ball. Really exciting. Just one of those players who's, 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 who's excellent to see um, going forward and, and just linking up with the players ahead of him. I think like he linked up really well Minamino uh, yesterday I'm really excited to see what he can do with our more uh, first choice attackers in the team um, on the other hand going backwards I mean like I think it was the hurt the Berlin friendly he was like you know he's not at fault but like two goals came from his side like the the right winger there kind of uh, set up two other goals or in, in that space basically and again you know does that happen with Robertson there who knows and um, I think we do take for granted the fact that when Robertson plays, we essentially have a left back who who never makes defensive errors for whatever. Like he just he just rarely seems. I can think of barely any goals or even chances that we've conceded over the last three or four years that have come from Robertson. He just doesn't seem to make mistakes. Um, and I think we have to be accepting of the fact that that might not be the case for the next few weeks. But look, again, you're never going to have a situation whereby you have a player out injured and the person you're bringing in is, is, is the same, if not better. It's going to be different. Let's embrace it. Let's get behind him. I think it's, it's going to be exciting for sure. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do. It's exciting, I suppose, when you think about it from the fact of, you know, like you're saying, you know, it's a player we haven't seen and, you know, they're liable to make mistakes because they're not, you know, of the same quality of, you know, the players we have in our starting eleven are there for a reason. You know, they're players who've won the Champions League and, and the league for us. So obviously there's going to be a drop-off. But just as you were saying it there, that's the same argument that was, or that's kind of the same narrative when, you know, we lost the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip and we had, you know, Williams and Phillips and stuff coming in, where I think it's more promising now the fact that, okay, we lose Robertson and Smikas comes in, but he's coming into a defence that will have the likes of Trent or you know, Virgil and Gomez and, and Konate and all with him. Like, so it'll be a far stronger defensive unit that he's part of. So like that, when, when any of the young lads came in last year, you know, it kind of even hindered, I, I remember we were chatting about it at the time, it hindered the likes of Trent and stuff because they didn't feel they could kind of attack as much because they felt they had to kind of, you know, help the lads along kind of. But if yeah. we have a solid defence... Smeekas is just allowed, he'll be given the license to to do what he does, kind of, and get forward like Robertson would be doing. Yeah, Klopp is on the record of having said that. that, that like, the, reason, the reason why we didn't see more of Smeekas or even Nico Williams and things is, is that because there was no stability elsewhere in the team. And look, like, you can look at the, the way Robertson's performance has probably tailed off just 
pure fatigue, I'm sure, and say, okay, could he have done something different? But I completely understand it as well. And if you're Samikas coming in trying to establish establish yourself in English football and you look inside you and, and Reese Williams is there, again, it's 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 a completely different entity to playing beside Virgil van Dijk or Joe Gomez or, or Joel Matip. So um I, I get it. I think I think look at where we are where we are with it. And um, like I said, I'm just excited to see to see what he can do because the the body of evidence that we've seen so far in preseason um, is really encouraging. Yeah. It feels to me like there's there's a lot of so Liverpool Twitter is a different entity to the Liverpool fan base in that it's irrational and childish and unreasonable and it's just not a good place to be and everybody is just freaking out on Liverpool Twitter because of the lack of signings and whatnot. But it feels back in the normal world with normal fans who support the club and love the club, it seems like there's a lot, a lot of blank slates um, that exist going into this season. And, and it, we've only signed Kanate. He looks like a monster. Uh, now, I'm sure we'll expand on it and, and chat about him in greater detail. But uh, it feels like there's been more than one signing. Like, it does feel like, like Minamino scored a couple of cracking goals when he went to Southampton. There's a question mark over, there's something not right there in terms of his place in the squad. Because every time I see him play, especially last night, he's really bright, industrious, He's two-footed. He's got decent vision. He's not going to shift one of the front four. I'll include Jota in that. But I think he is decent backup, and I think he's got a clean slate. I think Ox has a clean slate. The fact that this is the first preseason that he's actually been able to take part in, and he looks sharp. He looked really good yesterday. Incredible, yes. They're, they're having a look at him at potentially being a false nine. I think that could work. There's a clean slate there. There's definitely not a clean slate for Navi Keita. He's in the last chance saloon now. But it does it does feel like uh, guys who we've we've been missing for quite a while are coming back into the fold and can really contribute this season. Obviously, Harvey Elliott being another one. Um he just he just seems as if his his potential ceiling hasn't been found yet. We don't know how high it is. I know Dave O'Hara, I know you spoke just before we started about the the similarity between his championship season statistically and Jack Grealish's best championship season down there. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. Jack Grealish is a hundred million quid player. Harvey Alex is 18 years of age, but um, statistically he had him covered that season. Like we don't know how good he is. Um, I suspect the answer to that question is very, very, very good. Um, he's one of the most interesting situations for me this year. Because he can play in either line. He can play in the midfield three or he can play further advanced. That's the one that was interesting me, yeah. Really interesting. Like, I don't know. I would love to know where Klopp has him in his in his hierarchy right now. Because it's really hard to know. Yeah, the fact that he was played in, in midfield more so than the front three over preseason tape was, was something that I found really interesting. The first game he was, he was put there it was something that really took me by surprise. But mm. also... You know, it could be it could be along the lines of you know when Trent was coming up the academy and kind of a couple of years before he breaks through, they kind of have to chat with him. They're like, okay, what's your route into the first team here? Then they switch him from centre midfield to right back. You know, you'd wonder is it is it along those lines? You know, in terms of obviously we would have always thought of Elliot as kind of a right winger, but obviously we have the Egyptian king Mo Salah there, so it's obviously going to be and you know as as we you know there's always the talk of like oh these players are a year older like. Everyone's always a year older every year. I, that argument always makes me laugh. Um, but like that, the front three, yeah, the front three are all 29. But like Mo is still going to want to be playing at the highest level for years. So it's going to be hard to budge him. So maybe the midfield is his way through to the first team. Yeah, like, I think that pathway argument is actually really interesting because like like you said, like like our best player plays in his position. So like, you know, like if you're Harvey Elliott and again, you know, we're, we're, we're a big team or whatever and we don't have to to pander to anyone but like you know like he's he came here to to become the first team player for Liverpool and I'm sure when he signed and we, we got him ahead of Real Madrid or whoever else was in for him at the time that there is there is assurances given that look there's a way for, into this team for you you know so I think it's really interesting that they're doing the midfield thing with him this preseason I would be surprised if he is at the top of the pecking order for the the serious stuff coming up I think it's a perfectly reasonable kind of experiment to do and, and, to, and to try him out there because, again, like you said, probably is a more realistic path into the team. But I still see him being um, more maybe of like a, a an impact sub uh, League Cup player for the first couple of months anyway. Um, particularly if we have um, the new nine sub on the bench um, and yeah. kind of head up. 
I think that's a, it's a great move because it, it allows you to put your Elliot on the bench and you can bring him on if you're if you're two or three nil up uh, rather than having to kind of construct a subs bench uh, with the contingency that you might be losing or drawing, for example. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility there. And I think that'll be uh, to his benefit. Um, I've liked I've liked him in midfield. I, I do think it was interesting, like like his, his best moment of preseason was when he dropped his shoulder twice, curled it against the bar. Uh, when he had moved back into his what we would call his neutral position, so there might be something in that. I do think that like he's you, you see it in his numbers last year, like he's he's a he's a numbers player. Like you know he gets goals, he gets assists, and you might lose that a little bit from midfield. I think people often think that oh look if you if you take a front three player, pull them back into midfield, they'll keep the same numbers and and we'll just have more goals and assists as a team. But it doesn't always work like that. Um, but like you know he's done he's done his chances absolutely no harm over the past couple of weeks. And um, he looked great on, on on Sunday. I think he saved his best performance of preseason to last, which does his 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 uh, his stake and his reputation absolutely no harm. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm a little bit I I don't think he's as far ahead in the pecking order in midfield as the selections in preseason might suggest. That's just yeah. my no, I, I I totally agree. But by the same measure, it would make no sense for him to be to stay at Liverpool this season if he wasn't going to make at least fifteen and twenty appearances. I just, but I just think he's had a really crucial part of his development now in that he's had a season of first team football to which his manager at Blackburn called him exceptional and was just really effusive in his praise for him and said, you know, he's a game changer. He 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 has that really special ability to change a game by himself, whether it's creating chances, whether it's finishing them himself. Um, and with all that momentum, it would really, I think it would be really detrimental to his growth now if he plays 23s for most of the year and gets the odd cup match. So um, it, what will be really interesting is, is he registered for the Champions League squad? And I would hope the answer to that would be yes. Um, but that will give you a really good injury. Yeah. I think, is the Champions League squad 23 or is it 25? I think it's 25, but there's there's different rules around under 21, depending on how long they've been at the club. That's right. Actually. Oh, yeah, you can have as many yeah, as you so want. He mightn't necessarily have to register on the Depends on how long he's like. I mean, we spent what 20, 2019, yeah, potentially. But look, I, I think like, look, if we'll probably talk about transfers and outgoings and things, but if Shakiri's off, I just I think he takes Shakiri's place in the squad. I think it's a yeah. stylistic um fit, it's it's a it's a more it's a better fit for us in terms of contingency for the future and stuff. Um, and that's that's what I see happening. Um, obviously, getting rid of players that we deem surplus to requirements has been the challenge. And I think you look across world football and it's the exact same everywhere. Um, but that that's that's where I seem fitting in for sure. And again, like you said, Donica, I think that if that translates to 15, 20 games, then I think that's a really good season for him at, at 18, turning 19. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I suppose, yeah, so <clears throat> moving slightly off Liverpool for, for a minute, well, I suppose kind of just looking at it in a broader sense in terms of transfers. Um, like that, I suppose I was just thinking there as well, like, you know, over the last few years, it's it seems kind of every summer, you know, there's the same kind of, six or seven heads coming back and you see them you know in the Liverpool training kit training with the lads over in Evian and stuff like that um you know and you know there's this same talk every year like oh yeah if we get the right bid in for Origi, Shakiri, Wilson whatever yeah we'll listen to those offers and otherwise you know we'll probably go out and loan um you know we had a decent start to the, in, in terms of outgoings you know with the likes of actually selling Gruwich and, and just recently Harry Wilson and stuff for decent for decent fees, you know, obviously with you know whether whether it's right or wrong in the eyes of the fans, the kind of the transfer strategy of the owners in terms of, you know, generally balancing the books kind of in terms of outgoings and ingoings. Um we've gotten Kanata in. Um there's talk of, of maybe Shakiri going out, you know, there's always talk of Arigi going, but I, I never see any Actual solid suitors. I mean, um, yeah, like that's always that's always. Whenever there's the talk, it's like, oh, grand, we'll get rid of Shakiri and Origi, and I'm like, who, like, who of any decent quality is going to be signing Origi? But yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously yeah. we've signed Kanate, you know, and we have the likes of say Elliot and Smikas and stuff like that, who, you know, are, haven't been involved in the first team much, so seem almost like new signings for this season. Um. Dave, I'll come to you first, actually, on this. You know, we've gotten the one signing in so far, um, and there's still a couple of weeks left before the transfer window closes. Um, what kind of one or two signings are you hoping we make or, or are looking to make? 
first things first i think it's entirely possible that we do nothing um i like not not to be pessimistic about it but i do think that that is likely um it, it, everything seems to be slow moving doesn't it like if you look around yeah. um, the league like some like like some teams like West Ham that they haven't done anything as far as I know like you know like there's, there's there's a lot of um I suppose stasis and I think that COVID and the way the shift in terms of money in the game has gone so towards England has left a lot of teams in a situation where they have players they might nest they might want to upgrade on so for us it's it's your it's it's Origi and Shakiri basically um but if you can't get rid of those players then who like the, you, you don't have space to register them like in terms of our um strategy and i suppose policies around transfers there's, there's no money there to, to bring them in there's no there's room in the wage bill so like you, you get stuck a little bit so i think like look it, it's, it's probably more likely that divok Rigi retires in the next month than gets sold just based on based on um, who who would take him and you know what like if i'm divok Rigi, like i understand why you might want to stay because you know that might suit you i get, I get that from his perspective and, and i'll always love him for what he's done even though he's produced pretty much nothing on the pitch for about 18 months now um but i think that is the one area that, that that's the one position in the squad i think we need to upgrade on again it's contingency planning for the future for the front three um like i said i think that the shakiri uh to wilson swap and uh, makes the most sense for me i think that tiago is the replacement for when Aldum signed the year early um, yeah. and i think Kanate filled the biggest hole in our squad in terms of being a center-back light so like to me we, we could be done I, I would love us to see uh, an incoming front three player who's in that kind of say 21 to 24 bracket a little bit a la Jota particularly if we could do say maybe a, a fee structuring thing that we did with Jota last summer I think that might work um, I, I don't see a sunny midfielder personally yeah yeah the, the fee structures actually we did last season were phenomenal weren't they in terms of Jota and, and Tiago I think we got the two of them for about Seven or eight million up front. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Something silly like that. Yeah. And like while while bringing in the big money for Hoover and, and Brewster, you know, like it's yeah, it was it, it, it looking back. <laughs> yeah, because Brewster was about twenty million, wasn't he? Twenty five, and then Kiana was was he fifteen? Forty million quid right there. Yeah, there's Canadi sort of. Yeah, yeah, and that's how it works. Like that, like again, like, whether you like it or not, that's how it works in 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 terms of how our owners do it and like you know like as, as a sporting and business enterprise I, I, I think that's completely legitimate uh, it makes it more sour when you see them still selling the club down to Swanee to go send them to the Super League uh, because you think that they're trying to do things sustainably and ethically um, but overall as, as a policy I don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah Donica just touching on that on the transfer policy as well as playing devil's advocate um, you know looking looking around the transfer window especially the last couple of weeks, you know, Grealish going to City for 100 million. Um, Chelsea are looking to get Lukaku for about 100, you know. That's, that's, that's gone through as well. I mean, like, <laughs> I, it's easy for a Liverpool, as a Liverpool fan, it is easy to get frustrated with, with, with transfers and, like, looking beyond your own club, I always thought it was a bit of a redundant kind of uh, hobby to indulge in. Like, I mean, yeah, you can look at what City are doing and is Harry Kane going to be wearing light blue in the next couple of weeks? More than likely, yes. But that shouldn't affect what Liverpool's plans are. That shouldn't induce some sort of panic of, oh, okay, let's let's talk to Mbappe's agent and see if we can, we can spread the transfer fee over 78 years. Uh, so... Like Klopp, Klopp has a has a clear vision. I think what's become what's been a real difficult challenge is how ruthless are you with a squad that has delivered everything you've ever dreamt of? So how ruthless are you with Bobby Firmino? How ruthless are you with with Mane? Is a really interesting one because he had a poor season last year. I do believe it was down to fatigue. I do think he feeds off the crowd more than a lot of other players do. So I'm expecting it like normal service resume with Saudio this, this season. But Mane right now is still probably worth like is he is he worth 50, 60 million? You would say, yeah, based on reputation, like surely he is. Mane, absolutely, yeah. Do you get like so but gets it gets really difficult now because we know historically that 
like a, a lethal front th- three, like the game isn't designed for longevity up, up top of the pitch anymore because you get found out eventually if you lose half a yard of pace. You, you, so I think Salah's an outlier. I think with Salah, 35 is the new 30. Sign him up for another seven years. He'll end as an absolute legend and he'll score so many goals. And But the, suce- the succession planning... Um, for maybe from next year onwards makes the transfers really, really difficult. Because if you look in the market right now, look at our team, um, look at City, look at Chelsea, who've been really active. They're buying players that can improve their starting eleven. City, the Grealish ones actually, why they bought Grealish before they got Kane done, it makes no sense at all. When you've got Grealish sitting on the bench with two of his new teammates starting ahead of him for England in similar positions. And City do not have a striker because I just don't rate Jesus. And I'm not sure whether Pep does as a goal scorer at this stage either. But they're improving their starting eleven. Like, beyond us buying Mbappe, how do Liverpool improve our starting eleven? See, that's the big thing, isn't it? Because like that, all of them are improving the starting eleven. Where that's that's then when Twitter, <laughs> LFC Twitter goes into meltdown. It's like, yeah. oh, why are we signing these players? But sure, we already have multiple players worth, you know, 60, 70, 80 million. So find me, find me a central midfielder who we could buy who comes in and is an automatic starter ahead of a fully fit Jordan Henderson, Thiago, and Fabinho. Yeah. Who, who, who's that player? Is it great? Any sort of logical Liverpool fan, if they're all fit. I don't know if there's anyone you'd want instead of any of this rating, in my opinion, anyway. No, I, I agree. And, and, and I think the options in midfield are, are strong. Like, obviously, the big question marks over Ox and Kate in terms of their fitness are legitimate. Do we need one more? Like, if we buy Renato Sanchez in the morning for 40 million quid, um, does that change your outlook and how the season's going to pan out? Because it doesn't change. It'd be like, you know, personally... I would want Florian Nahos from Mönchengladbach because yeah. I really, really like him as a footballer in lots of different ways. Um, but even if we bought him, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, he's got a start ahead of Henderson or, or Thiago. Or... So, like, this year's transfer, this summer's transfer window, like, our signings had to be get a world-class centre-back. The jury will naturally still be out, but Canati looks like a monster so far. I've been amazingly impressed as has everyone around the club by the looks of it. Um, and then tie down your stars. So Fab's tied down, Trent's tied down. Hopefully the hopefully Salah, if he's going to be the highest paid player in the club's history, do any do either of you have an issue with that? Because I absolutely do not. Blank check for me. Just give him give him what he wants. Give him money. Adore him. And I want bring him offer him back if he wants. I don't mind. Like <laughs> bring him back just to be there for Salah, not necessarily even on a player contract. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and once and Allison then as well like so once you've done that, um, you know the the next two three years are are safe, um, and yeah then you can start having dialogue with those players because again eventually like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to replace Firmino probably first yeah. if his levels don't bounce back um, and I don't suspect they will and then Mane but um, it's definitely not a, it's definitely not a time for panic like I, I I'm really quite quietly confident about this season. Like, I, I don't think we're going to win the league. I'll, I'll put that one uh, in audio form. And for the record, I think Chelsea are actually going to win the league. Um, I think we can run them close. And I think we can beat City, genuinely. Because I think there are problems in that City side still. And I think if they lose Diaz or even if they lose Stones, I think Nathan Ake is not really up to much. And I think... The cracks can appear in that squad very quickly and you see what they're like without Fernandinho and he's getting on now um, Sure he was getting on when they were having him in centre back two seasons ago No I know like, like yeah alright <clears throat> Kane goes into City guaranteed 20 goal striker Kevin De Bruyne feeding him like on paper you're like okay they're going to win every game 6-0 but I just football isn't that straightforward it's just yeah I, I, I think Chelsea will be the team this year United will get closer. It's going to be really competitive top four. I think there will be a gap.
because just just on that as well, because Kane, you know, obviously they lose Aguero, Kane comes in in more so than just literally that replacement. He's almost an exact replacement in terms of a really top quality striker who, whether like if you look at it every single season, will be out for a decent period of the season. So it's not like he's getting a fully, fully fit world-class striker to come in. So they're going to have 30 more goals than they would have had. You know, it's really, you're only replacing maybe 15 goals or so. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with you there. I, I, I suppose going into next, going into this season, obviously it's starting at the weekend. Um, I think Liverpool do have a good shout at winning the league. Um, obviously, you know, there's always <laughs> the Liverpool optimism of, oh, this is going to be our year. But I think, do I think Liverpool can win the league? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think we will this season? I think, I think we've, I think there's a legitimate chance of, of claiming number seven. Because um, I think you do, again, you have the bones of a phenomenally good cup side, that, that Liverpool 11. It's, it, it, will come back, it will come down to that depth. You need a goal. You need someone off the bench to change a game when you're, you're, away, you're away against Newcastle. It's not really happening. Is Minamino going to come on and win the game for you? Mm, hope so. No, but but if, if that's Chelsea's situation, Pulisic comes off the bench, or Havertz yeah. comes off the bench. If it's City, Foden comes off the bench, or fucking Jack Grealish comes off the bench. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th- that is that is a very obvious uh, weakness that we have. But in terms of blow for blow, you can only have eleven players on the pitch at any one time, and our certain eleven is just as good as anyone in the league, and has the experience of playing with each other longer. So, and a lot of the players in the team have been there and done it like that you know Chelsea are obviously looking very strong obviously I suppose the, the you know the, the, <laughs> you'd nearly forget the fact that they've just won the Champions League I often do like, you would because it was a weird season it was it was a weird <clears throat> it was a very weird Champions League with the with you know how Liverpool went out and should that game have been played and just bizarre and then having a little mini tournament in Portugal I'm not I'm not like illegitimizing that win they won the Champions League they were they were the best side but it was just a weird one I, I, it was a bit of a yeah does it, it carry well, no it has to carry the weight of every European <laughs> no it does you can't say oh that one doesn't count like, that's a, that, it obviously counts but it was just fucking strange you know the one the one little thing <laughs> the one like moment of uh, joy I got from because from obviously the crap situation of it being two other Liverpool or two other English clubs in the final City and Chelsea <clears throat> the one thing going into the final because obviously it was like I just love it if both of them could lose um, <laughs> but the uh, the one thing I liked was the final was due to be on in Istanbul and the thought of, of one of those clubs also having Istanbul as a glorious memory yeah, um, I was I was very happy that it got changed and wasn't in. <laughs> yeah, hands hands off our stadium, two hundred kilometers in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I suppose looking forward to the weekend and you know obviously the season to come. Um, what do we think? As we you know obviously Donica there saying obviously you know I think Chelsea and City are obviously going to be strong. United again, they've strengthened as well, so they'll they'll definitely be up with the shout. You know, if not for top four, they, you know, they might have one similar to last season in terms of they'll be challenging until Christmas and then they'll be, you know, proclaiming that they've won the league and then they'll veer off. But um, I suppose with the fact that the fans are back and stuff like that, like I think, I actually think Bobby Firmino is going to have a great start to the season because I think if you were to pick one player out of the whole team who thrives the most off the crowd, I think it's Bobby Firmino. Um, Dave, how do you see the first couple of months going in the season? Yeah, like, like it's going to be interesting for sure. Like, I think just, just on the kind of transfer side of things, like, like, like I, I agree with Dunnikan in the sense, I think Chelsea are better set because I, I think City still have so much work to do. Like, obviously, this Kane saga is going to drag out. But then once they sign him, like, they have to start selling people. They haven't sold anyone yet. I know they've, they've let Aguero go on a free, but, like, they're, they're going to have to get Bernardo Silva out. Like, Laporte is going to go, is he? I don't know. Like, and then... Like, there's even talk of Sterling being gone. But this is it. Like, like I, I don't see that. But like, I suppose then are you gonna are they gonna sell Jesus? Like, like there seems like there's a lot of change still to happen in that squad. And then like when the port's going, they've lost Eric Garcia. Like you're down to 
Stones, uh, Diaz, and, and Ake, right? Like, so it just seems to me that there's a lot that's going to happen at City in the next three weeks. So, look, they have enough money, like, they'll, they'll be fine, like, they'll, they'll sort it out. But again, if you look at the preseason we've had where it's been very settled, six weeks, Austria, France, everyone there, everyone happy, all the injured players back, great. It looks to me like City's, City's um, window is, is, is still very much alive and a lot will happen. Um, and I think, like, if you look at Chelsea, like, they had the most players at the Euros of any team in Europe, I want to say. Like, it was something like 18 or something crazy like that. Again, a lot of them went deep, the England lads, uh, the Italy players and things. So, like, I think, like, my optimism comes from the fact that we might have a good advantage in the first couple of weeks of the season where we've had our players there. Everyone's raring to go with the optimism of having the injured players back. Let's go. The The tests will come when it gets to the winter and AFCON and, and all of this. And again, that's I'm, I'm very much like in my supporter head saying let's cross that bridge when we come to it because I don't actually know what's going to happen just yet. And um, maybe it'll be a glimpse of the of the post front three uh, Liverpool that we that we get going to get early. But um, I'm very optimistic. I think our fixtures are falling pretty nicely. Um, couldn't really last or better for the first 10 games or so. Gets a bit sticky, you know, into the autumn and things. But um, I think even with the way the Champions League, the post-Champions League fixtures have fallen, they're actually not too bad for us either and things. So look, there's a lot, there's loads to be optimistic for. And um, I think if we start well, you know, who knows? Let's see how it goes. All you want is for the season to be alive in April. That's all you can ever want at the start of a season, I think, is just to, to be... Um, sitting there on the 1st of April after that uh, March international break and and for to have a genuine sense of your season being alive and something to play for whether it's Champions League whether it's League whatever it is hopefully both um, but that's how I see it going um, I, I don't know about United like I, I just I, I don't really know how they got what, however many points they got last year like they, I didn't ever seem to be that impressed by them when I watched them they had a great season though. we nearly took second last them yeah this is it <laughs> and, and like they didn't have any slumps in form and i mean like they they came from behind so much particularly away and things like, like i don't yeah. see how that can happen again i think like eventually to keep giving teams head starts you're gonna get punished for it but remains you see like sancho's an amazing player Veranza at least defending <clears throat> see how they settle but again those players are only starting training this week and again it comes back to my point that we've been there since the first week of july and i think that does stand for something and i think particularly when your manager is jürgen klopp and you have Pep Linders and and uh, and Peter Kravitz and and Victor Matos as your as your team. I think like it couldn't have been better for us, really. And um, forget the, forget the transfer window. Like that's the summer that you're going to want to. I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the the, uh, the the point yeah the point of having a settled full preseason. I, I just I think it's a it's a decent um it would be a decent bet that. Like and I'm not just getting wildly roused into glasses here, but I think after ten games, if Liverpool are top of the league, I'm I'm almost expecting it, given how the fixtures are set up. I know we've got Chelsea early doors, but I just think the 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 Anfield roar, that bounce, and the feel good factor, and we all know how difficult last season was to be a supporter. It was just it just really felt like work. Every game felt like work. Um. Because you were trying to achieve something that had been the minimum for previous seasons, and there was all these obstacles, and there was Murphy's Law swimming about the place with everyone getting injured. Um, but just going back to Dave's point on, on the African Cup of Nations, I think that's really going to do us in. Because if you if you take out Salah and Mane plus one injury to an attacking player, all of a sudden we're enormously thin there. Like like. All right, let's say Salah, Mane, gone, and Jota gets injured, like what happened against uh, uh, the Danish side last year. Like, now, now that's a big pro- problem. Now, now you're, you've got, you're basically as capable of scoring goals as Newcastle are for two months. Like, I don't, I don't like how that could potentially go. Um, I think that's a real elephant in the room, um, the AFCON. And, With and, that uh, one done, Kat. just sorry, because yeah. I, I had actually forgotten about the AFCON. Um, so I just wanted to say as well, because I remember obviously... You know, that was such a big deal the last time it happened. Um, but with this season coming, there's a there's kind of a two-week break in January that just happens to coincide with kind of around when AFCON starts. Not as so, many. so even if the lads get to the final, I think they're only... They're, the max they could miss, I think, is two Premier League games. So it's actually oh, well, not... Because I was, I, was I was definitely really worried about the fact that AFCON and mm-hmm. that we'd be losing Mane and Salah. Because I think the last time it happened... Did we only have Mane? I think, as far as I remember. Yeah, twenty seventeen, wasn't it? Um, and we didn't win for two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
so obviously, yeah, that was a big worry. But yeah, I think their potential, I think it just happens to fall relatively okay. And I think I just have it there. Like if it's if it's the two weeks I'm thinking of, the two games they'll miss are Brentford at home and Crystal Palace away. So 7 0. Maybe Elliot Hattrick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that that then colours the picture in a little in a, in a different shade again. Um like I don't know. Do we do we wanna are we bold enough to start making predictions about top fours and I happily will because I love yeah. the prediction even though Yeah, fire away, yeah, you go ahead, Danica. All right. Mine is gonna be pragmatic, but I think Chelsea are gonna win the league. I think they're gonna have an exceptional season. I think they are gonna be a powerhouse, and I'm very much afraid of Thomas Tuchel and his abilities as a coach. And I'm even more afraid if they take Werner out that side and put Lukaku in. That's what I was going to say. I think Lukaku is going to be phenomenal for them. Fucking terrifying. Um, and also, get in my fancy football team, Romelo. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea, I think Liverpool will beat City to second. I think United will be streets ahead of whoever comes in fifth. I think, um, depending on what happens with Spurs, let's say they lose Kane and they bring in Martinez and Vlavic from Fiorentina. I still think they're going to really struggle. I actually think that Arsenal are maybe going to turn a bit of a corner this season, although I thought they'd turn a corner last season. Um, but I I would still say that Leicester had picked them, so I'd go Leicester fifth, Arsenal sixth. And then I would put someone ahead of Spurs seventh, um, possibly possibly Villa, um, to be fair, because I think they've bought really, really well. Um yeah, and then after that, does it even matter? <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let the we'll let the we'll let the blue shite. Uh, we'll give them a top ten under Rafa. Um, yeah, <laughs> answers it out. Even though he's he's buying players for a tenner at the minute. Yeah, players who were at their peak like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, Townsend is is a that's that's such a mysterious signing. Um, into Florida to play in cups that don't exist by the time they get there. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what are you it's thinking? What are we looking at top four? Yeah, it's so hard to call. I, I, I'm honestly like flip flopping. It's the same as trying to pick a fantasy football team. Like every time I look at my phone, I'm changing it. And it's the same as with this. I, I think it's really hard to say. I think Chelsea, like Chelsea won the Champions League, and and they're bringing in like to my mind probably the the out and out best or or one of the top two or three best uh, number nines in world football. Like I, I just rate Lukaku so highly. I think he's yeah. amazing. I think it's just his ability to score goals, no matter who it is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what style of football his team plays, he just gets goals. He's a bit of a trampoline at times. You pick the ball up to him and it comes back at you. Like he doesn't have the class of a hurricane. He doesn't have uh he just man's just numbers though. He just he's numbers, he's sheer numbers. He can do it all, like you know, like he like he's he's so he's so quick, he, like his so like some like there's a there's a compilation of some of his assists for Inter even last year and like you know there's there's one in the Champions League it's an outside the left boot cross into Lautaro Martinez like it's like he does has such ability I just think he's I think he's a, a real like it's scary that Chelsea are signing him um yeah, yeah, I, I don't know like I just I just like I'm, like I said I think it's too early to call with City because I'm not sure what they're gonna do because I do think that like you know it's it's three weeks till the end of August I I think things are going to change there so um at present i think city are still favorites um i i think that our longevity can see us ahead of chelsea um but it just depends on how lukaku settles so i'll go city one liverpool two chelsea three for now united four as you said leicester five for sure six again i don't really care about six like either like you know easily be arsenal don't think it'll be spurs um, don't really see anyone else breaking um, that unless Leeds really kick on. Um, the Villa thing is interesting. Like again, like you look at Villa, and you say, okay, they've done really good business. Like, like I really like Buendia. I think he's great. Mm. But then look at the last two times an English team sold a one hundred million pound plus player and replaced him with six or seven players. It was it was Spurs selling Bale and us selling Suarez, and we know how they those two seasons that, went. Yeah, disastrous. As good as as good as it looks on paper, um, I think the proof again will be in the pudding there. Um, but yeah, like I think like Ings, Buendia, like big 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 players. There. I think they're doing really well. But yeah, like I don't know. Like ask me tomorrow, I'll, I'll give you a different answer. Um. Yeah. Perfect. Um. Yeah. I think it it is obviously it's always so hard to call because you know a month into the season it can the whole landscape of the season can be looking different than the start of it like that's always the thing with fantasy football as well isn't it like you think 
you know, you've analysed all the preseason games and, you know, who's who's coming back from, from internationals and stuff like that. And then two weeks in, you're looking to use your wildcard. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think I'm back in Liverpool to win the league. Um, I just think absolutely everything that could go wrong went wrong for us last season. Um, you know, we lost, you know, probably probably every player at some point um, and still managed to come third. You know, we conceded, you know, with, with you know, two centre fields at times in centre-back and with, you know, our seventh and eighth choice centre-backs, we still managed to concede less goals than United to finish second, which I think is an astounding fact. You know, we've Van Dyke back, we've Gomez back, Kanate is looking like an absolute monster. You know, I'm, I'm far, far more comfortable. You know, with the two of them, like obviously Van Dyke in particular, but obviously I'm a big fan of Gomez as well. And either him or Kanate, if you're looking on the pitch and, and the two of those are there, you're just far more confident. And that kind of just oozes through the team. Um so yeah, I, I I fully expect kind of the team to be back purring like they were the year we won the league, and obviously you know the year before when we won the Champions League as well. Just like, I, think, I think Matip is a, is a shoe in to start the first three, um, yeah. and like I I don't know I don't know what they're going to do with, with Virgil and and um, and Gomez because I think it's clear to see they're not the speed yet. Um, no, they 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 surely won't start at the weekend. Yeah, yeah there was talk it was going to be Kanate and Matip for a few games, wasn't it? But I, I, think, I, I think I think Matt has had a, a brilliant preseason, and again, I think all four defenders have done well. And but I, I think Matt has been the the standout for me, and I think he just gives us so much in terms of front foot, uh, playing good passes into midfield, just again beating your press by just being able to sidestep pass. Oh, his his ability to step out is so underrated. Why do people outside of Liverpool fans not talk about when Joel Matt goes walkabout? He usually stops walkabout on the opposition's 18-yard box and he's laid it off somewhere. He's so good stepping out of that uh, centre-half position. Just just because he has size 15 feet doesn't mean he's not good. That's what I was going to say. It's because he looks so gangly. That's why people think it's an awkward thing. But he, it's always a really, really positive thing in our attack when he does it. Yeah, and again, like it's, it's an attacking weapon and things. These are things like do you know those games that we that we lost six in a row at home and you couldn't break down defenses. Like small things like that. Like okay, they're not going to get you ten goals a season, but like it, it can it can open up the game a little bit for our front three. And like yeah. there was times that season where it just looked like we were completely out of ideas. And like the concept of not Phillips doing that and stepping into midfield is just was, was never going to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to have to have Matic back again. We know he's 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 pretty much made a crisps, but um, hopefully, hopefully he'll, he'll at least see us through until uh, Virgil's up to speed. It is the thing with. No, go ahead, Donica. I was just going to say another like sort of unintended um, upside of having the lads back and adding Kanati into that mix is if you noticed last season how many corners were swung into the box and no one is capable of getting their head in it. And then eventually we all know what happened when we send the goalkeeper up. Um, but before Alisson scored that legendary goal, and my God, let's just keep watching that every day for the rest of our lives, um, we could not score from a corner. And those kind of 10, 12, 15 goals a season are so crucial. If it's just, if, you've, if you're half an hour into a game, you can't break a low block. And now you've got Virgil can score goals, Matip can score goals. Kanate surely can score goals because look at the size and strength and speed of him. I think an unintended upswing is just going to be the fact that you're going to get 10 or 12 goals that come from our centre-halves this season. Yeah, we, we, lost, we lost goals in the team hugely last year. We're like, okay, Salah kept scoring at the same rate. If anything, probably scored more. Obviously, we know about Firmino and, and Mane dropping off, but like our fourth highest score in the league winning season was was uh, Chamberlain. Again, yeah. he got like seven or eight goals midfield. Again, got one last year maybe. Next is Virgil, got five or six. Again, mm. got one probably at the first day of the season and things. So like we, we lost a lot of goals from all over the team basically. And again, I think... Like you know, Ox might not get seven goals this season, but again, it's it's another threat. And again, if you look at a starting lineup in every given game, and I always like tried to work out okay, who is the most likely to score. Obviously, we know our front three are likely to score. If your next most likely player is 
Jordan Henderson or, or Thiago or something, you know you, you're not carrying much of a goal threat. Whereas having players like um, you know, like like Elliot in midfield or or or, or Ox or or Van Dijk at the back, again, you're opening up a huge amount more uh, opportunity well, to get goals. Well, that, that tra- you could argue that trait that trait in a team of, of of finding goals from other places in the park is what won City the league, thanks mm. to El Gundogan. Mm. Didn't expect him to score, and he just kept scoring, kept scoring, kept scoring, kept coming into the box late. He looked like a little mini Frank Lampard, um, <laughs> and it makes just such a big difference. Yeah. But yeah, no. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nailing my flag to the post there. Um, I think they're going to win. I think Liverpool win the league. I just think with the lads back and with the fans back, I think there's going to be such a lift. And you know, we all know the effect Anfield can have. Um, you know, obviously every club didn't have uh, had empty stadiums, but the effect Anfield, the Anfield crowd can have on the on the team. I just think that'll be able to push us over the line. Um, I think, I think whether or not City get Kane. Will will determine whether they whether they would, I suppose, push us close or you know come second or third. Obviously, it, it looks like they probably will get him. Like three weeks is still a long time in the transfer window. Um, uh, he will. He'll he'll go. I mean, yeah. if they're if they're already making conversations for Martinez and apparently they're interested in Vlavic as well. Yeah. What will probably transpire is in the next few days you'll hear that uh, Latara Martinez plays for Spurs. So does Vlavic. And then all of a sudden that money goes back out with Kane. So yeah, they'll probably try and nail. They'll probably try and buy a bit of try and buy four players to replace Kane. Fail miserably. But I mean, is anyone like I'm far more scared of Lukaku going to Chelsea than I am Kane to City? I don't know why. Because Kane's numbers are phenomenal and his knowledge of the league, but but just Lukaku back to Chelsea is really, really scary. <laughs> Like if I'm City, I would have bought. I would have gone for Lukaku. Do you know what I mean? But like that's that's my <laughs> personal preference. And again, like you say, okay, well, you know, you've got that relationship with De Bruyne from the national team and stuff. Again, I think that's terrifying. So I'm glad that they haven't done that. But yeah, just being stylistically, there's no bones about it. Like Kane, Kane can do a lot of what Lukaku can do too. So it's just personal preference, probably stylistically for me. But um, yeah, look, it's 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 going to be different. Like again, they're two big additions to our main rivals. Um, hopefully, we haven't even spoken about period, maybe. <laughs> we haven't even spoken about like, um, and I'm kind of glad because you know they're relevant, they should be. But Sancho and Varane to United are two huge signings, yeah. Varane's a brilliant sign, in fairness. Varane is, is, yeah, very much is the marquee sign there, but we don't really know where Sancho's ceiling is and how he can translate those numbers in Germany over to England and where he's even going to play, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Varane. Like did you know they've had a weak link there for so long? Um, you could argue Harry Kane in certain situations is a weak link, but I think that's a bit unfair. I actually do rate him as a centre half, and now having Varane in beside him, Varane's a great. He seems like a world class second centre half, as in he's not yeah. commercial, but he is the one implementing the, the the guidance of the other. So he'd be a perfect complement to Van Dijk, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he'll go really well. And I think, you know, it'll be very tough to break down because you're not getting down the flanks. Shaw's a great defender. Wembasak is a great defender. They still have question marks over the goalkeeper. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, Fred and McTominay do a good job in terms of shielding the back four. So, like, I can't see United shipping too many goals. Yeah. think um yeah i think we'll round it up there lads um so obviously we're we're back in premier league action at the weekend so god it's gonna be class to see them back out and obviously the week after at anfield in premier league action so can we sign off can we sign off with a couple of predictions so i'll give you i'll give you a couple right yeah i'll give you a couple of categories right Bring it <laughs> yeah. off. let's see we end up to so i want three relegated teams i want Top goal score, I want golden glove, and I want player of the year and young player of the year. Oh, okay. So Dave, you go ahead if you have something in mind. See, okay, relegated teams. Um I, don't. <laughs> I, I I obviously haven't given this any any pre thought really. Uh, I think Southampton will go down. Um I think that mm. Newcastle might go down. I think out of the promoted teams, I can see 
Brentford and Norwich being okay from what I've seen of them. So maybe that leaves Watford as my three. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I weirdly, I think that Norwich are going to be okay because I think they've planned for, I think when they went down the last time, they were planning for how do we bounce back yeah. better. Yeah, like, they've, done, they've done what Burnley did a few years ago, I think. Obviously, there's, they're different you know, very different managers and styles of play, whatever it is. But like Bernie did the same thing where they came up, had a good year, had a good go, went down, walked the championship and then came back stronger, basically. Yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go with Southampton, Southampton, Watford and Southampton, Watford and Burnley. I just think I've enough of Burnley. Good luck. Uh, my, my, so my top goal scorer, I'm going to say it's going to be Lukaku. Player of the year is going to be Mm, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I, I I think it'll be in the Chelsea team anyway. It might be yeah. like happier for both of them, to be honest. Mm. Uh, Three, I'd say would go down. I think Palace would uh, potentially go down. Um, like that, I think Watford of of the three who've come up, I don't see them staying up. Um, so I think Palace, Watford. I think then a toss up between Brighton and Southampton. Um. Burnley, again, as you said, Dunnigan, they just seem to have ridden their luck the last couple of years. You know, there was the year where they were, you know, really, really impressive. But I, I thought they were definitely going to go down last season and then just about pulled it out of the bag, you know, long enough before the end of the season that it didn't seem like they were actually threatened with it. But just, like, I'm sorry to say this, but nobody is going to miss Burnley Football Club if they're not in the Premier League. Nobody. Not even Burnley fans are going to miss Burnley in the Premier League. Yeah, aren't yeah, because then they'll be down in the championship and they'll be more likely to have actually more fun weekends seeing them actually score a few goals. Yeah, God almighty. On, um, on the on the young player thing, like because I think that the the rules are the eligibility for young player of the year is ridiculous, but with current guys, I could see it going to Havertz, maybe. I was gonna say Havertz. Yeah, and then yeah. that would have made it difficult for me to like because Havertz was potentially gonna be my player of the year. Yeah. Did yeah. Foden get young player for City this year? Yeah. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Halbert's like I think he he really stepped up second half of the season when Tuchel came in. He doesn't play every week. Um, you know, got the winner in Champions League final, didn't he? So yeah, like I think um I think I, I expect him to kick on a lot next year without because he had long COVID and so as well, didn't he? Or he had yeah. Yeah. Gone, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll say Lukaku top goal scorer. I'll say De Bruyne player of the year and I'll say Havertz young player of the year and that makes it look like Liverpool are going to really struggle but I just think it's going to be very closely fought. I could see there being six or seven points between the top four but it's yeah. only to me. I, I, I still think that Salah is most likely to get golden move to be honest. Um, hope so. Yeah, like I, I just I, I, think, I think he went up a level last year in a sense yeah. uh, despite having like some bad spells when we were just generally terrible. Um, and I think he just looks like he hasn't scored in preseason. I think I think he's gonna just rip into Norwich. Yeah, he's gonna explode. Yeah, I just see that happening. And again, if you come back to to FPL, like you know, there's there's no one no one else in that game that I would rather own than Mohamed Salah. Oh yeah, he's captain for week one. There's like ever <laughs> since he's come to the Premier League and beyond. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've had Salah. I don't think I've had Salah outside, not like out of my team since he's arrived in England. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Salah for top scorer. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I just think he's he's so just on a mission to score as many goals for people as he possibly can. Um, I yeah, I think Havertz is a good shout for young player of the year. Um, I think I think if Liverpool were to have the season, I think they can have in terms of winning the league or coming close to winning the league. I think if someone, I think if he avoids injuries. I think Thiago could be in with a shout for a player of the season. Because if we're in a you know a league winning or a league challenging team or season, I think he's gonna be one of the reasons why we're so well run, well oiled kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean he was he was just sensational for us the last ten games of the season. Yeah. Really like, was. He was the best player on the pitch in every one of those games, I would go as far as to yeah. say. Like, yeah. When he's unburdened, when he's unburdened by every defensive responsibility. He obviously does retain defensive responsibility when Fabinho is sitting there. But when Fabinho is beside him and he can play a bit more football, he just is... It seems like he's doing everything 
he can do everything way quicker than you, but not running, obviously not running. But <laughs> Definitely not running backwards, I would say. He seems to have so much time to make the right decision, always makes the right decision. Yeah. Um, Am I right? It's almost, like a, it's almost like a machine learning midfielder. Am I right in saying that the only time we've seen Thiago and Henderson play midfield together was Everton? The Derby, yeah. 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 Thiago came in for the Southampton game, which was the first game that Henderson played at centre-back. So, like, you know, we haven't seen what the midfield was supposed to look like last year at all, essentially. Um, Yeah, like this dream midfield of, like, our three best midfield, we've barely ever, if if ever, gotten to see them play together. We won't see them this weekend either. Well, well, I would assume to be like our first choice team last season. It was pretty much what played against Everton that day, but we had Adrian and goal, you know. So like, yeah, we yeah, exactly. Had a first choice team out for over a year. Um, so yeah, look, like so much, so much cause for optimism from a Liverpool perspective. I, I, re- I really like that Thiago shout. I think, I think that uh, if he has a, if he stays fit, that there's every chance he could be that player. Even if we come third, he could still, yeah, the season just because of how good he is, and particularly like a PFA. Thing where his fellow his peers are, yeah, are yeah. Yeah, and I think he's that kind of player that everyone says, "Look, this guy's incredible." Yeah. I think I think I think Trent could potentially have a huge season too. I think this maybe this might be the season where where um, where Trent starts to move, yeah, from right back. Yeah, I think he'll grab a few more goals this season as well. Just be so good, like his the way his distribution is just insane. Um, yeah. It'll be a big okay. I'm, 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 I'm actually, I'm really, I'm really pumped now. We, we've got a great slot. We've got like Saturday night football, and um, we've got the half five slot against Norwich. So it's hopefully we get off to a positive start. And let's be having you. That's it. There we go. The season we won the league. We played, we played Norwich on the first game of the season. So hopefully that's yeah. a good omen. So yeah. here, here first lads. Liverpool going to win the league. So thanks for joining us, lads, and we'll chat to you soon. <laughs>